You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Auntie Becky and Miss Susan from Florida. Erin Mikulski is a longtime touring goofball who handles backline and stage manager roles. For over 30 years, Erin has handled backline and stage manager roles for large and small tours. He brings a relaxed vibe right up until he doesn't. Even having worked all seven continents, there are still new places to set up in and get out of. Apparently, most of them are in the Midwest. He has toured with acts like Metallica, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, Simon and Garfunkel, the Indigo Girls, and James Taylor, among many others. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Welcome, Glad to Aaron. be here. Uh, we are so happy to have you. Aaron and I uh, spent some time on tour buses together, and he is a good buddy of mine and makes the world's best cup of coffee. Oh, <laughs> nice. So already it's, I'm just looking just at ridiculously you. Strong. It's, it is <laughs> ridiculously strong. It's good roadie <laughs> coffee. And often throughout this last year, I have missed it and you. <laughs> so Aaron, questions for you that I think our listeners would like to know. How did, how does one get into the business of doing backline on tours? How did you get into it? I was captured by pirates. <laughs> and you know, all right actually you know i came out of i mean i i i was a drummer in the beginning and uh eventually i found out that i could make a little better living by taking care of other musicians rather than being one that's awesome that's how i got in i mean i actually uh i started doing cartage in los angeles in the mid 80s which is like being a studio roadie mm-hmm. and uh within a year i was on the road um you know doing stuff I had no idea how to do. And, do you uh, you know, I basically kept my band? mouth shut. Until I actually didn't know. Something. Yeah. I worked for, uh, the first, uh, major act I worked for was, uh, Lee Rittenauer. Okay. And, uh, I have no idea that, who that, is. Uh, that had worked ever, but he's a jazz guitar player. <laughs> okay. It's his birthday today. Oh, happy birthday to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I I interrupted you when you were saying, though, that you kept your mouth shut and uh, just kind of kept your head down and did your job. I think that's a valuable lesson for a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I I think honesty is the best policy. I think with a lot of a lot of acts that I've done work with, uh, especially as the uh, technical stuff got more and more prevalent was was like, hey, listen, I, I have no idea what I'm doing here. They don't want to hear that. They mm-hmm. want to hear solutions. So very often, I, if I say, "Listen, I don't know how to do this, but I have a, you know, I have someone who does. You know, I can get them to fix it. You know." But uh, most of the time, you just be quiet and and uh, look busy. I guess. <laughs> Keep your head down and learn what you need to learn, right? And ask the appropriate people mm-hmm. the questions, yeah. not the not the client. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's nice when they actually have some input. Yeah. That that was actually what I was just going to ask. Like, do you find that like in your work, because you're tuning people's guitars and drums and those are their personal instruments, you know, that's, that's an artist thing, you know, that's their baby. Um, and now you're responsible for their baby. Do what, what's kind of your approach? Do you talk to them? Do you see how they tune it first? Do you, you know, what's your approach getting into helping with backline equipment? I very often just I start off by by um you know asking them what they what they expect 
You know, um, some people are, are, some people are great communicators and have more than enough detail and, uh, and others are just a, a, a mystery. And, uh, those are the hard, those are the hard jobs when, I mean, I actually had this one person tell me, he says, I don't know what it is that I want, but it's not this. And it's like, okay, that will mark that one off and move on. You know, that's all you can do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, very often, I mean, you can basically just get a, a framework from, um, who you're working for and, uh, that involves communicating with them, uh, which, you know, <laughs> it can go either way. <laughs> uh, how I was just going to ask that too. Like, uh, what, you're setting yourself up for your own questions. I love this. Um, what is communication wise? I think those are some of the skills that it's hard to teach the soft skills to people was, you know, for them to be able to communicate with a client and them to be able to talk to an artist really when a lot of us have technical things and, and ways we think, and a lot of artists think a lot more creatively um, that can become kind of a crazy ground, you know, when you're not speaking the same language, kind of, uh, how do you find that you can navigate that? It's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with vocabulary and you have to learn the artist's vocabulary if you can. Uh, I have seen a singer ask for more silver in his monitors before. And, and <laughs> when you can actually attribute that to a specific frequency, um, you're a lot better off, you know, but I mean, that's how they choose to yeah. communicate. Um, but I think it's so much of what I do is to give them a safe environment to do what they do. If they, if they are second guessing you, if they're busy double checking your work, um, it's, I'm not doing, I'm not doing the right job, you know? So, I mean, they, they need to just be able to walk in and sing or play or whatever it is that they do. And, um, if you can do that, um, it makes their job a lot easier and, and, and in the end, yours will be a lot easier. Yeah. So you were out in the rock and roll heyday. <laughs> With Metallica, is that right? <laughs> oh, I, I I did some work for them, but it was uh, you know just uh, 2008 to 2016, I think. Yeah, so I mean, it's yeah a little later. It's actually interesting to to work for bands that are um, getting into their 50s and heading for 60s because the <laughs> the requirements what's what's important to them have changed. Hmm. Um. You know, the, you find the schedule starts to lighten up, especially when you only have one singer in the band and, uh, you know, they don't want to do more than two in a row and that kind of a thing. But, um, that, that, that you know, I've, I certainly have gone out and done those 28 shows in 30 days kind of tours, uh, sure. a, a long, a long, long time ago. <laughs> Um, but as far as rock and roll is concerned, I think uh, I kind of missed it because even in the, in the mid eighties, uh, we were already talking about how much the lawyers and accountants were in charge of what was going on. And, and, uh, and the people that I worked with who had done it during the seventies and the early eighties were saying, yeah, we, you know, one, one of my good friends, Gunji, who's passed sadly, um, 
He said, I had the fun of 10 men and you were one of them. And, uh, <laughs> I realized, uh, I had missed my chance with all of that. But, you know, as you know, it's, it's, it's business. I mean, it is run like a business and, and, and gets more and more so every year. So uh, it's not the, uh, the, the bacchanal that everybody expects it to be, um, anymore. Or it may, may have been ever for all I know. <laughs> Do you feel nostalgic for those times? No, no, not at all. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I lead a pretty boring life nowadays, you know, uh, you know, being married and sober and, and all that. There's really very little to do out there except, uh, you know, sniping on, uh, midnight pizza, <laughs> which is bad for my health too. But, um, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, what the, uh, the bad old days are supposed to be like, but I mean, you know, yeah. I have gotten used to eating warmer food at home during this past year. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't let it, let, let it sit and wait for three hours until it's just about <laughs> the right temperature. Right. So. <laughs> what, what have you been doing with your downtime? Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, uh, my, my wife has a couple of businesses that I, um, I help, I help her with, um, I've got another, uh, another one, another opportunity coming along. So, you know, I, I'm staying busy at home, but, uh, busy for me is, uh, is, is relative. I was talking to a friend of mine last night and she's been on the road for 30 years. She's like, this is the longest I've ever been home since I was in high school. And I'm like, yeah, that's scary. You know, it's, it's hard. The longer, it's the longest it's the longest period of time I've been at home with, with Angela. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, pretty amazing, you know, because for, for the life of me, you know, I mean, I'm one of those people that after two weeks, I'm just kind of twitchy. I'm ready to go. And, yeah. uh, and we're way past that now. Yeah. So. Yeah. So fingers crossed for the vaccination and all of us getting back to work soon. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I, uh, one of the reasons we want to talk to you is you and I had had a conversation a while back um, and mostly about women on tour and things like that. And you told me a really cool story um, about sitting in the back lounge of a bus with uh, a bunch of women and coming from an industry that was male dominated for years. And I would say is probably pretty male heavily dominated still, you know. Um, I just kind of wanted to get your perspective on how things are changing and what you've seen over the years and all that with more women, um, getting on board and becoming more of a diverse and inclusive industry. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's happening slowly, but surely, I mean, there, there are exceptions to what used to be the rules, um, you know, like I, I was just talking uh, on my pa podcast a couple of weeks ago. We were the same, basically the same question, which mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, you're seeing you're seeing women in a lot of roles that they never were before. Okay, you know, obviously, you know, you would you would you would tend to see them in wardrobe, dressing room, production assistant, those kind of positions, but uh, and actually, you know, um, uh, mixers and um, and uh, LDs, uh, the, there are there are definitely 
a lot more out there than than you think. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I mean, we were ta- I was talking with Sully, who used to work for Indigo, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's been doing it for over thirty years, doing backline, which uh, she, her and Kelly McCauley and some of the other people I know who are mm-hmm. are uh, backline backline women, yep. backline people. Um, and you, and just realize what kind of a, uh, sort of a, a community that they're part of, um, it's, it's much different now. I mean, and to see, and to see basically, I mean, the, the story I was t- telling you actually happened in 1993. I was working okay. for, uh, Leonard Cohen and we were in Europe. So we had our catering staff on the bus and we had, um, his, uh, his engineer and um, and uh, his daughter actually was out working for us as well, sort of doing backline and and helping out. But there was like five women, and I I walked into the back of the bus, and they were all talking, both in English and in Danish. And uh, it was really weird. It was weird being the only guy in the room, you know. Uh, I mean, in the in the back lounge. Uh, so I just sort of. Uh, I just kind of kept it in mind and said, well, maybe this is the way they feel on pretty much every other tour that, you know, I've ever done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just try to stay sensitive to it as best I can. But I mean, I really think that, uh, you see, you're seeing a lot of, uh, very capable, very hardworking women out there, um, and not, not overcompensating on either side of being too femme or, 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 or too butch, you know, they're just kind of, I'm, I'm out here, I'm doing this and, uh, and, and I work hard and you see that and you go, yeah, can't, I got no complaints. You know, I like hard workers when I'm, you know, when I'm just wandering about that that is changing the narrative of just like we're all doing a job here you know it's not about if you're a man or a woman or what your preference is sexually or any of that stuff it's this is our job and we're good at our jobs you know and uh that i love that it's changing to that it could be something completely different but i'm loving that we're changing that narrative and so thank you for being one of the guys that helps that too wow uh, you know, I learned, I try to learn from everybody, you know, that's, that's really, really the, 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 I, I think you're just stupid if you're closing yourself off to, to anybody, you know, um, you just gotta, if you want to participate, if you want to learn, especially as we, as we get older and we start going out of these, uh, these jobs and into a more administrative position, it's good if you understand, you know, lighting and sound and, you know, rigging and, uh, all of the other kind of things that go along with uh, every gig that you do, and um, and having that having those in your uh, in your uh, um, experience quiver is 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 good, you know, because it's yeah. gonna those questions are gonna come your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the attitude of uh, being mean to someone because they're a woman is really moving. Uh, into a past situation like I don't I don't think that's going to be acceptable any longer you know well I I think you're right I think but I mean I I think that uh 
I think windups and 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 things like that are still going to be. There will be a certain amount of hazing that still is going to go on. But um, as long as everybody realizes that you know we're all in it together, um, you know, it's 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 tough because I mean, for for everyone, it, just the idea of being on a crew. Um, you know, like I've I've discussed mm-hmm. uh, the difference between sort of having a crew made up of of, of individuals or a group that actually has a, uh, you know, um, I'm sorry, pussycat alert. That's okay. <laughs> I was waiting for Aaron to notice. He loves kitty. <laughs> Yeah, she's uh, cat makes an appearance pretty much almost every episode we have. So it's we love her. Oh, very good. Oh, pretty. Yeah, she's a good girl. She's just uh, just can't be left alone right now. She wants to be involved. (laughs) Yeah, we when when I got married twenty one years ago, we uh, we. we actually had our, our wedding here at the house uh, 21 years ago. And uh, there's a great part while the uh, justice of the peace is saying his part. And uh, all of a sudden you see my, uh, our cat walking across the, the living room, heading for the kitchen <laughs> to get something to eat in the middle of our, our wedding uh, ceremony. I love it. Okay, I, I've distracted myself well enough. Where was I? <laughs> what were we talking about, anyways? I don't know. I don't even know. I'm all I'm yeah. all stuck up in cat world now. I'm like, look at this cat. She's so cute. Next, next question. <laughs> Go ahead, Sus. Ask a question. <laughs> uh, let's. What was one of your best or favorite show experiences? Well, uh, you know, there are a couple, I mean, you know, um, uh, I, if I had to go back a ways, like the first one I ever did was, uh, we did a free concert in central park with Paul Simon, which we had three quarters of a million people at, uh, That's just crazy. proving once again, that if you're in New York and it's free, you're going to show up. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, in this in this particular century, uh, I'd have to say uh, doing the show in Antarctica with Metallica is probably one of the highlights. It's just uh, there was so much going against us, and still it still got done. So you know, you've got to be was, wild. Yeah, I was gonna say Aaron's got to be one of the very few people that's done all seven continents. You know, mm-hmm. on, on tour, that's mind boggling to me. Did they do it just to say that they could do it? I I would imagine so, right? It's I think I think that there was always um an interest in it um by uh um by the drummer in particular, but uh once they came up with an idea and found a sponsor and you know, it just took uh, a few months worth of preparation. Uh we used a Argentinian um production company that uh, because we didn't use a PA and we didn't have a power source there. So everything was run off of solar and, um, and, uh, and the, and the mix for the nearly 200 people that ended up being there was, uh, was uh, Bluetooth headsets or like a silent rave. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. You know, 
it was, uh, you know, it just sounded like, uh, I think I was saw, somebody else already said it. So it just sounded like a one hour drum solo from outside. <laughs> I'm still baffled that they pulled yeah, that, that off with uh, solar power. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, I mean, and some stuff got damaged. It was a pretty rough ride down the, uh, down there to, um, buy the ship. It was, uh, yeah, if you, you know, you know, Misty, right? Misty mm-hmm. Roberts. She was working oh, yeah. at the time. Yeah. yeah. She, yeah. she, she spent, she, she did a little bit of work for Indigo as well. But, uh, she, she was, oh man, I couldn't believe how sick everybody was. A lot of people were, were sick. It was a 63 hour crossing of the Drake Passage. Oh my like four, goodness. Four knots, probably, you know, wow. 20, 30 foot face waves and stuff it was pretty and some of the stuff in the in the hold got crashed around a bit luckily none of the backline or anything got broken so oh my goodness wow solar panels took a hit just thinking about it yeah don't yeah okay we're on land it's all it's okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i'd have been seasick but that would have been quite the loading and unloading i'm i'm assuming that had to have brought its own yeah, challenge. Yeah, actually, everything everything came out of the hold of the ship and was brought over by uh, Zodiacs, you know, inflatable rafts. So here we are, you know, we we made the stuff as as hand friendly as possible, but I mean, there were still a couple of cable trunks and whatnot that that, that we had, and uh, and those had to come over on the little boat and then be lifted out of the boat on the edge of the shore and and delivered to the uh, concert site. So That's wild. Yeah. There's I, actually, I, if you get a chance, uh, there, there are two videos. There's a video of the show and on YouTube, and there's actually a video of uh, an hour-long video of, of the making of, which was made for, uh, you know, um, it's because it's, it's all, most of it was in Spanish because of the Argentinians and everything. So, but mm-hmm. worth checking out. Definitely yeah, I'm definitely going to look that up. I've, I didn't even know that existed, so I'm, I'm excited to check it out. Cool. Mm-hmm. What is uh, can Can you give us a horror story that turned into a good one? Hmm. Ah, geez, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I mean, the your biggest nightmares, your biggest nightmares are are always um, headed your way until you actually do deal with them. You actually, they actually do happen. Uh, being sort of left out in the cold is, uh, you know, uh, a tough thing. I, I, I remember, uh, I was doing a show at a, an arena and, uh, it was a big set change. It was like a benefit, you know, we had a lot of different acts uh-huh. on and I was out there getting the guitar setups ready for, for the show. And, uh, the product, our production manager hit house lights you know, and uh, all of a sudden it was dark. And then I was there by myself on my knees in front of a pedal board in front of the entire, you know, arena all by myself on stage. You know, that was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've, you know, gig nightmares. Yeah. Things blowing up, catching fire. Um, you know, I mean, it, 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 that all, it happens, you know, I mean, that's one of the things it's how you respond to, uh, these, these, uh, events 
that that matters. You can find you can, yeah, you know, like Sully was saying. You know, I mean, you just got to kind of stay cool in one way or another. I mean, uh, in my younger years, I was I was uh, more likely to throw things around and and make a, a spectacle <laughs> of myself. And now it's a, a little more restrained. But then again, I mean, sometimes you can actually you'll actually know you know, where the weak link was. And, and that, that comes down to preparation before anything happens. You know, when you're changing strings on a guitar and one sort of feels funny, get rid of it, change it now. Don't, don't take a chance on it during the show. You know, I mean, those, those kind of things that, that go on. Um, but yeah, right, right off the bat, I don't really have one particular nightmare, but uh, it, they always usually involve power. And transformers, and, and I don't want to even know about any of that stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, power tends to mess with some guitar amps more so than anything else, right? I I I meter my power yeah, like when we're doing Indigo. I, I'll do it in the states. I'll do every every every. I've actually come across extension boxes, which you know, three of them are three of the three of the four plugs are, are wired one way, and the fourth is reversed. You know, <laughs> and it's just like okay, yeah, you know. no, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. you don't want to be have that much voltage going to somebody's microphone. It just hurts. It hurts a lot. Yeah. I think that's one of the first things I was taught like out on the road is just meter everything. Cause you never know, like you weren't the one who built it. You mm-hmm. weren't the one who put it in. And most of the time, the people in the house or venue that you're in, they weren't either. So they're just taking it like, Oh, we've always used it, you know, and throw it your way. And it could be, I mean, I've found them at front of house, in the wall that are switched backwards, you know, and, or have no ground on them. And I'm like, I'm not plugging my console in that, you know, it's, but if you don't meet her, you wouldn't know. So I think the preparation part. Yeah. I've walked into the gigs where they had, uh, you know, underneath the stage was a giant transformer and it's been there for 50 years. And, and then you're sitting there asking the house guys questions and they'll lie about it and they go, and then eventually you find someone that's like, Oh yeah, well, you know, you know, you're under a, you know, you're sitting on top of a giant transformer, you know, for a train station that's below the stage <laughs> or something crazy like that. I've, I can't remember what the gig was, but uh, I, I've actually heard that one before, you know, it's like, wow. And then you, and like you said, then you have to communicate with the artist and say, Hey, I can't make this go away. Yeah. You know, I don't book them, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> if someone wanted to be a backline tech or a stage manager and like follow in your footsteps, how do you think that they would break into it? Like these days? Still these days, I mean, maybe not at this moment, but if you can find yourself a, a position with a lighting or a sound company and um, and get your experience there. I mean, if you're if you're looking specifically to do backline, um, very often you're going to come out of a band or being uh, associated with a band in some way and uh, and basically pick up every piece of gear that they they've got and try to get an idea of, of what it's what it does i mean uh, i think uh becky and i have talked about the 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 uh the not so gentle waters of the pcm 70 understanding <laughs> how to 
operate a yeah. piece of gear that no one else seems to be able to. Um, but, um, but I mean, for backline, I mean, very often if you're, you know, if you, if you are a musician yourself, I, I was a musician for a time, uh, obvious. So drum, like being a drum tech came sort of natural because I was, I, I knew how the hardware worked and, and, and what, how it should be. Um, stage managing is a different ball game because, uh, rather than having a narrow focus of working for one person or just for the bands, you have to basically consider everyone. You have to, you have to get, uh, uh, the big picture thing happening and, uh, and you, you need to be cool, calm and collected and, and always able to leave yourself an exit, you know, which is, uh, I think is important for all of us in these times, you know, basically knowing, uh, what's your, what's your safest way to get out. If something starts to occur, you know, you, yeah. you have to be aware of your surroundings, uh, more so now than ever before. That's, uh, is there a piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice from a old road dog like yourself? <laughs> For some of the newbies that are coming in, even, you know, post COVID or ones who had just started before COVID and now they're just hanging out like, you know, something you'd like to share. Uh, you know, the, the I think I'm going to steal this one from uh, from Warren, Z, the late Warren Zevon. I'm going to say enjoy every sandwich, you know, <laughs> have a attitude of gratitude and um you know, and, and like you said, I mean, the, when you're working as a, as a stagehand, which I've done over the years, you have to be willing to take direction and, um, and not say, well, you know, I do this for a bigger band than you, and this is the way we do it, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, that's just a mistake. If they're, if they're doing something that's, uh, it's not going to work, uh, you, you may want to find a way to, quietly say something, but, um, I, I really do, I do really do believe that, you know, to, to take direction and ask, ask questions as needed is, uh, is a really good rule for people that yeah. are coming up. Um, you know, um, and, and, and asking questions is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. I mean, it's the only way that I could have gotten educated, you know, uh, with, uh, with some backline stuff. Um, you know, cause, uh, we know everybody knows someone who's faked it until they made it. And, uh, right. and sometimes that doesn't work. Ask questions and, uh, yeah. and get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weirdest instrument you've ever had to tune or do something backline with like something you didn't know it just came out of left field? There's a couple, you know, that's why working for percussionists is so much fun. Um, two of the, I had to band with two percussionists in it and they both had, uh, what could only be, uh, described as, uh, like wheat. It was like some sort of grass that had been wrapped around the, uh, one end. So it had a handle and they actually used it like a drumstick or sometimes it hit them both together. He'd be sitting there in an amphitheater asking the front of house guy, if he was getting enough of his wheat in, in the mix. <laughs> and I, 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 I don't even I, know I, what I would mic that with a 57 mic it all with a 57. <laughs> 
Just one. <laughs> just one. I, I, I had a weird one uh, that yeah. threw me for a loop that I had to Mike once. It was and and I'm I don't even know the name of the instrument, but um, it's like some Irish band I was working with was using it, and it was like a pole, like a pogo stick pole, and they had a bell on the top of it. I'm sure there's a name for that, but they they would bang it and it'd make this really funky bell sound. And they want to know if I could mic it, but the the drummer would get up and run around with it. And I was like, okay, I gaff taped the snot out of a lavalier mic onto it and it worked just fine. But that was a weird one for me. <laughs> that David Byrne tour that just got done where there was, you know, no gear on stage, you know, that's, that's a trick. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they ask us if we can do it and someone's going to come up with a solution. Yeah, for sure. Usually Aaron, Aaron will come up with a solution and I'll go, okay, let's do it. <laughs> let's not use that today. <laughs> let's not do this one today. That would be my, my choice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually, they always say no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is going to be this? This could be a really long in depth question or maybe one we won't even put on, but I'm just curious. Uh, what do you think our world is going to look like when we get back to it after all this COVID stuff? Well, we're certainly going to see a lot of venues that aren't there anymore. Um, some of them haven't made, didn't make it, you know, it's yeah. too late for some of them. Um, I also think that uh, you're also going to see um, initially, you're going to see things being a little bit different as, as live nation and AEG and, and everybody uh, kind of, uh, makes adjustments. I mean, they're obviously all going to want to save a lot more money because they don't have any money coming in for quite a while now. But um, I think I think what's going to happen is that people. I, I think at least initially, um, you may have to carry something that proves that you've had a vaccine. Um, yeah. You might have to be willing in certain venues and not and not certain ones to have your temperature taken every time you come in on, into the building. Mm -hmm. um, I I think that uh, that depending on I mean and that's the other thing I mean yeah we so maybe we have to wear a mask for a while that's that's fine yeah. get the right mask get something you can be work comfortably in and still um, and protect the people that you're around. Um, yeah. They, um, it, I think for, for, for anyone who's, uh, doing what we do, I mean, they're going to have to come up with solutions. I mean, you can't socially distance on a tour bus, right? You know, you, you just can't, there's not enough room no. and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and it is despite the fact that most of the people that we work with are all incubators anyway. I mean, if you've ever <laughs> gone through a health crisis on a, on a bus before, like a stomach yeah. virus or something, um, it's got awful. You know, there's no escape. No, but, um, I, I really, I really think that, um, I think initially you're going to find people that are going to be, um, pretty grateful that, um, uh, they've gotten their career back, um, in whatever shape it's in. 
But um, I, I think initially, I mean, my my feeling is this: is that we're maybe some of the uh, small size and mid size tours will probably go out and test the waters before they start doing uh, arenas and stadiums again. Um, you know, there's been some very interesting. Um, Tests so far between the, the the German show and the and the and the New Zealand show, and I think there was a Spain that just got done recently, and uh, doesn't it looks like uh, a, it, overall it was a pretty healthy situation. They didn't have anybody uh, get sick, but um, I don't know. I, I, it's weird because there's. Uh, there's that attitude in the United States as well about regulations and, um, you know, they're just not, they, uh, you know, you have to be willing to do a couple of things that are inconvenient in order to make this happen. And, uh, I think that, I think that it's going to really going to take, um, the, it's going to take the audience to feel comfortable coming into the room I mean, it's all well and good if we all get uh, our vaccines and we all and we're all wearing uh, protective stuff. But uh, if the audience isn't isn't comfortable, uh, then nobody makes any money because there's no money coming in. So I'm hoping that we can keep we can get the the audience educated as to what's going on and, and what's possible and what's not possible. And uh, and then we take it from there. Um. Yeah. It's all of the streaming stuff is, is, is great, but, uh, you know, it's, it's very limited. I mean, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like everybody has said, uh, they miss that sound of the crowd when the lights go out right before yeah. the show starts, you know, and there's nothing that replaces that, you, you know, you no, can use not. CG, it, it ain't going to work. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah, going to no, be that- Cardboard cutouts aren't quite the same, are they? No. I think they do, per, if they personalize it, yeah, that'd be really great. Yeah, I actually, what was it? Metallica did their uh, that show from their place, and they they had uh, people who donated money um, actually had their images put up behind them while they were playing. So it was like they yeah. were kind of on stage with the band. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? There's one born every minute. <laughs> Indeed. So. Well, cool. We keep this short and sweet, so we're wrapping up already. Look at that. Uh, okay. Thanks so much Bye. for talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> See you next year sometime, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Gee whiz. I sure hope so. Me too. And a pleasure to meet you, Susan. It was so lovely to meet you and talk to you. What's your go-to beverage? We didn't ask you that. Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's uh let me see. I actually wrote down my my answer because I was afraid I'd get it wrong. So I could be one. Brazilian coffee, street, sweet, strong, and hot, or orange mango sparkling ice. So mm-hmm. you have two choices, the a.m. Yep. and the p.m. The the mango sparkling so. ice is a thing. We've, we've gone on many excursions looking for them. <laughs> yeah. Sponsored there by. It there it is. Oh. Me We're trying personally. to get a coffee sponsor, a Brazilian okay. coffee sponsor. That's my goal. Yes, if anyone out there wants to sponsor the Sound Girls podcast for coffee, uh, we will happily accept. Yes, we will. And then we'll send And I'll come back and drink some. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. 
Cool. Thanks, yeah, friends. We basically know that we're bored. If you're if you're taking pictures of me drinking coffee, then we <laughs> are. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. As we're wrapping up this episode, we wanted to point out that over in the newish Sound Girls Living History Project, oral history interviews are being added as they come in. Right now, one of the interviews is with Bobby Banks, an accomplished sound, dialogue, and ADR supervisor with a 20-year career. Her film titles include Men in Black International, Selma, Straight Outta Compton, The Incredible Hulk, and many, many more. The interview was done by Twee McCollum, a NYC-based sound designer for the stage and screen. We actually interviewed her uh, on the podcast before. Here's a bit of Bobby Banks from the interview. I worked with an actor who is just a perfectionist. And what he would do after each take, he'd throw his headset down, right? So he's throwing his thing down. And so you have to figure actors out, right? Be sure to catch the full interview with Bobby Banks, along with all the other Living History interviews over on the Sound Girls website or the Sound Girls YouTube channel. If you're looking for more to listen to, Here's what some of our friends in the podcasting community have in store for you. Find them all over on audiopodcast.org. Have a great week, everyone. I'm Dallas Taylor, and I'm the host of 20,000 Hertz, which is a podcast all about sound. We revealed the untold stories behind the Netflix audio logo, the Price is Right theme song, Star Wars, and tons more. Here's a clip from one of my favorite episodes, The Wilhelm Scream. Wilhelm has become this sort of go-to sound effect that represents a lot more than just the one sound. It's fascinating how many of these sounds are actually reused over and over and over. If you think you've never heard the Wilhelm scream, you're almost certainly wrong. It's in Star Wars, Toy Story, Lord of the Rings, Beauty and the Beast, Cars, and hundreds of other films. The actor who recorded the scream was actually kind of famous. So we're, we're like 99% sure it's... It... <laughs> to hear the rest, subscribe to 20,000 Hertz. Once you see the purple logo, tap subscribe. I'll meet you there. Hi, everyone. This is Sam Hughes, host of the Sound Architect podcast, where I interview audio professionals around the world about their projects, their careers, and their advice. I've spoken to some of the most amazing sound designers on the top games, TV shows, and movies of our time. Our guests also include some of the biggest composers of our generation and some of the most amazing voice actors I've ever spoken to. Catch the Sound Architect podcast wherever you listen to your podcast or at our website, www.thesoundarchitect.co.uk. See you there.